you're the gathered. And there are those that are gathered online that we call the scattered, but we're glad you're here too. I was watching over there on Facebook seeing who all was chiming in. And so we, really when we come together on Sunday mornings, here's the thing. We need to keep first things first. A few weeks ago, I preached on second things second. Because second things second, you know, we got to acknowledge that there are priorities in our lives. We've got to acknowledge that there are some things that are more important than other things. And quite honestly, the argument that I see in our world, I'm not even going to break it down to culture, society, state, county, town. The, the, the argument that I see in our world, okay, this is perspective, this is opinion, and you know what they say about that. The argument I see in our world really comes down to, folks, what I'm going to call an identity crisis. We don't know who we are anymore, okay? We don't know who we are anymore because it's out of our identity that we discern, determine, choose, and follow the path of value, importance, priority. And so several weeks ago, you know, we got through, it sounds like I was trying to get through it, but, but you know, we came through the whole resurrection season with Easter and Palm Sunday and all those kind of things, and, and we celebrated resurrection and victory and, and the fact that God loved us first and God's called us to love him back, and, and then second thing, second being that we've got to love one another and, and love those we come in contact with and all that sort of thing. And then I hear the argument. And when I hear the argument, I hear there's no love in that argument. People aren't loving each other. And then we look at each other and we go, well, what do you believe about? And then we pick a topic. And that becomes the deciding factor as to whether we love or not. So I decided that for the month of May... Concluding with, obviously, Memorial Day weekend, I was going to preach on identity. I going to preach on the who am I. Now, guess what? Some of you have been around here a while know that identity is something I preach about quite regularly. I preach on the who am I. Uh, maybe it's because I still feel so much like a child sometimes that I'm still going, I don't know who I am. Right? But there are certain things that God has placed in my life that, that are foundational, that are concrete in front of me that I know. This is the most important thing. And so I keep that in front of me in such a way so that I know that what I'm standing on is firm. All right? Pray with me. God, thank you for the morning. I want to thank you that, uh, God, you know. You know me. You know me better than I know myself. You, you know who I am. And, and, and there are things scripturally, God, that you have declared who I am. And so, God, I just praise you in this moment, in this time, this morning, and give you thanks and praise that as we, as we consider the who am I, God, it starts somewhere. To be able to answer the question, who am I, means that we've got to, not just us in this room, but the world has to come to some sort of, of understanding and acceptance of who you are. God, that's just huge. So God, in this room this morning, which is, and, and, and online, God, help us, just us. I mean, we can't 
go beyond those who gather and, and meet together to consider this question. God, as I, I look into your word and say, well, who is God? Who is God? Because who am I starts there. So help us to understand. And we just pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I admit to you, I'm not going to say much, but these are some difficult days for me. Not because I'm, you know, just there's a lot of stuff going on in my own heart and mind just to, to be able to continue, you know, moving forward. Got a lot going on around here. Did y'all know that? Things are cranking back up wide open. I don't know if you've noticed or not noticed, but I got this whole little sheet right here that, that was brought to me while we were beginning our worship time. These are all the announcements that, uh, that we will scroll through, scroll through all the screens out here. Um, we got some camps going on. The youth, the youth group's going to camp in June, which that's way off, so I can announce that later. May 6th, this Thursday, y'all, is, is the National Day of Prayer. If ever <laughs> we needed a national day of prayer, this would be a good one. I know there have been trying times in the past. So I don't know what you're doing at noon on Thursday, but up here at the Soundside Park, the city, Surf City, city, town council, all them, they're hosting. I've always said as long as I've been here, the town, the government, the local government is going to host a National Day of Prayer, I'm going to be there, okay? That's noon in Soundside Park. I've been asked to say something. Uh, Saturday, Daughters of the King Breakfast. This is a ladies' breakfast. Saturday morning, Daughters of the King. I'm told there will be men cooking. Saturday night is a hatchlings. That's our preschoolers. They're doing a cookout Saturday night, at Saturday evening at 5 o'clock. All hatchling kids and families are welcome to attend. Meet on the gathering playground. Somebody's going to be cooking. Uh, men's breakfast has changed from Saturday because that's the Daughters of the King breakfast to next Saturday the 15th. Kids Fest and, and gathering outside the walls on May 16th, we worship in the parking lot. Okay? I want to tell you all something. This is cool. <clears throat> we gather to worship every Sunday morning. We start with this worship gathering, and we start worshiping at 810. When we started all the multiple worship gatherings, people would say, well, they get confused in the time. And I would go, look, show up at 8 o'clock. When it starts to repeat itself, leave. Right? I mean, I, I used to go, when, when I was a kid, the downtown theater in Greenwood, South Carolina, you could walk into a movie anytime you wanted to. You could walk in in the middle of the movie and stay till it looped back around and started over again. And then leave. And that's what I said about worship. If you show up at 8.30 and I start preaching, then stay through the beginning of 9.25. It's okay. We'll be here. Till almost one o'clock. You can stay all morning for as we care. Just come and let's worship, okay? So outside the walls, there are people that show up. When we worship outside in the parking lot, it, it's interesting that there'll be three or four families no matter what. <clears throat> they didn't get the memo. They'll show up at 810 going, you, you, you're not doing worship this, this, this month? 
at 10. So inevitably they go get a biscuit and then they don't come back. So what we're doing this time outside the walls at 8 o'clock, Morning Glory's doing their rehearsal. They're going to do their warm-up, sound check, rehearsal stuff. So come and hang out, bring a chair, bring your own tent. We're not put, putting up the big circus tent because it falls on people. Uh, but, but, but bring something, sit outside, 8 o'clock. If it's this hour, come at 8 o'clock because at 8.30, I'm going to preach. Okay? And then at 9 o'clock, the next band's going to rehearse. At 9.30, the next band's going to rehearse. All the groups are going And then at 10 o'clock, we're going to start worship again. So, so we're going to worship all morning long that day too. And then afterwards, we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. And after that, the kids bounce houses and all. It's Kids Fest Day. This is the kickoff for the season. And so that's May 16th. Come be a part of it. Okay? That's all my announcements. So there you go. I wanted to do that now so that um, if I get real fired up preaching, then run out of time. So... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, National Day of Prayer here at noon. If you're in the Hampstead area, the National Day of Prayer in Hampstead is at the gazebo at the village thing where the village cafe and all that is. Scott kind of sets that up with the sound system and the Pender East Ministerial Association. So if you're down that way, go there. It's a National Day of Prayer celebration down there as well. All righty. Very cool. Who am I? You know, it, it would be a really cool thing for me to grab a microphone and just walk out there and go, all righty, let's see. Edna, who am I? And let's see what Edna says, who Bobby is, right? Or, or, or if I walk back there to Jim and said, Jim, who am I? And, and Jim shared some thoughts about who am I. Not, not who am he, who am I? You see, because identity is a big deal, y'all. And, and unless we can really understand, discern in our own hearts and minds, who we really are. Y'all know where Scott's going? Rogers Bay. He, he, he's going up there to preach. and t It's not he's walking out on my message. I just want y'all to know that. I mean, Scott's heard me do the identity thing. He's probably going, I've heard this before. I'm out of here. <laughs> right? No, but think about it. I mean, and then think about who others. Now, really honestly, you know, I, I mean, the who am I question, as important it is for you as, as a part of this gathering to know who you believe and understand me to be, it is more important for me to know who I am. Who am I? And, and folks, the importance and priority that doesn't isn't just for the pastor or one of the pastors of the gathering. It's important for you to know who you are. Because as you understand your identity and, and, and where that originates, where that comes from, where the beginning of who I am comes from, it helps you discern, understand, and, and, and walk the path set before you. Now, who am I has to begin with who is God. Because in our world today, you've got people who say, well, Nobody. There is no God. I mean, I've run into some of them this week. And I go, okay. Anyway, but when we start to understand and, and, and in our own faith and walk and testimony, understand who is God, 
we, we discern and, 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 and walk the path. I'm going to keep using that word. We walk the path that God establishes for us to walk. And I'm going to just be honest with you. The path that God sets before us to walk is, is uh, I hear people say, oh, it's easy to, to be a Christian. It's easy to get saved. Staying on the path that God set in front of you can be a challenge because all the world around us is screaming its priorities at us and, and seeking to distract us from what is the most important thing. And, and, and in recent years, I'll go ahead and put it that way, I am simply refusing to be distracted by the things of this world. Okay, that's just me. You don't have to be, you can go be distracted if you want to. I'm just kidding. I shouldn't do things like that, but I do. All right, so y'all, Eli's back there. Everybody wave at Eli. <laughs> he hates when I do stuff like that. <laughs> y'all, he's graduating into the month. Uh, we're going up to Maryland this week, and uh, it's been interesting to me because the text I want to share with you this morning really, really is the result of a conversation Eli and I had. Eli ordered him a new Bible a few weeks ago, and as he was digging into some of it, he decided he didn't like the version he ordered. Walked in from school one day and dropped it on the kitchen counter and said, I don't like this. I said, okay, tell me why. He said, because of the way it translates El and Elohim and, and, and the whole Hebrew word for God. And I was like, yeah, I think I studied that in seminary. I don't know. And, and, and so he digs into that stuff. He studies the Word of God. And, and then he began to share that, that, you know, studying the Word of God, that in Hebrew, that there are certain things that aren't there, that, that in our English translations are there, but in, in the actual Hebrew wording, it's not there. And, and so we, we read from the context and the revelation of all of Scripture to translate into English our understanding of God's written revelation of who he is. God has revealed himself. Do I believe that this word is reliable, that it is accurate, that it is inerrant, that the, 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 the seminary trained word for me is the verbal plenary inspiration of the word of God? Absolutely. I believe God has inspired it. He wrote it through men's hands and he has preserved it and given it to us today so I can open this up and read it and have confidence in who God is. Okay? I'm reading to you from Deuteronomy chapter 7. Um, and, 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 and it's a statement by God through Moses to the people of Israel. And, and he's basically telling them who they are. <laughs> I like it. He says, for you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord had his heart set on you and chose you, not because you were more numerous than all peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. I mean, you started out a, a family, okay? 
But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors, he brought you out with a strong hand and redeemed you from the place of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know that the Lord your God is God. The faithful God who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. But, He directly pays back and destroys those who hate him. He will not hesitate to pay back directly the one who hates him. So keep the command, the statutes and ordinances that I am giving you to follow today. Man, what a statement. But it starts with God is. God is. So in, in mine and Eli's conversations, we were talking about Genesis 1-1. And, and we know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? We got that. And do you know that the theologians argue and debate over that sentence as much as any other sentence in Scripture? You know, they, 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 they want to define and break it down and take it all to pieces and everything. But in Hebrew, it's pretty simple. God, no, beginning, God created. Beginning, God created. That's the basic Hebrew translation of that verse. The beginning of that verse, at least. Be-reset. Now, that's a southern boy's pronunciation of the Hebrew word that begins the word of God. And it simply means beginning, first, most important, chief, priority. So before there was anything, beginning, God. Okay? Now, I I was a science major for a while. Majored in I was, I was going to be a pharmacist and then go to a doctor. Y'all have heard this. So I remember sitting in physics classes and chemistry classes and biology classes. And, and they threw an economics class in there for what reason, I don't know. But anyway, you know, took those things. And, and, and here comes the basic question. Out of everything that we see, There's no scientist that will deny. And we got one in the room over there, by the way. (laughs) There's no scientist that will deny. Started somewhere. Where did matter come from? I mean, for there to be a big bang, there had to be something before the big bang. Okay. So, beginning. First thing. God. The existence, definition, being, we like in theology to call it person, God. The existence of an infinity that we, as finite, can't possibly grasp. Okay, Bobby, who are you? 
my, my first answer these days is God's kid. Well, guess where that starts? It starts with God. The very beginning of my identity, the very beginning of my being, the very beginning of my existence starts with God. Okay? Uh, three words for God in the Old Testament. El, or in the first part of Genesis, Eloah and Elohim. Okay? It simply means the beginning God, creator God. It means God, the deity, the infinite, infinite the, the, that that is beyond anything that you can even conceive of. Okay? And yet he says, know that the Lord your God is God. The word Yahweh doesn't appear to later in the old, uh, a little bit later in the Old Testament in Genesis. Yahweh, Lord, uh, Yahweh, which many translations will say Jehovah, because the Yahweh became such a sacred word because Yahweh was the word of covenant, the the, the name of relationship with Elohim. Okay, and this is. Man, y'all are looking at me like, that just went right past me. (laughs) Folks, let me ask you a question. We're going to get down to it in a minute. But God shaped, created, spoke. Listen. All right, so when God created the heavens and the earth, how did he do it? Spoke it. What did he? Spoke. Words. Right? And then we know later in the New Testament that in Christ, by Him, through Him, all things were created and held together. And yet Jesus in Christ, I did Christ, by Him, through Him, all things are held together in Christ. Christ is the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So, so who are you? Starts with God. Starts with God's own revelation of himself. Because here's what he's saying. Now, here's where they've, they've, they've in Deuteronomy 7, where God's people have, have entered into, you know, they're, they're in, and, 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 and they don't know who they are. They knew they were slaves. They knew they came from Abraham, and then they got the Isaac, Jacob, whole, uh, you know, fathers of our nation kind of thing. And then they incubated in, in, in Egypt for quite a few years until Moses, uh, God led Moses to come and free the people. They came out, and in the, in the 40 years of wandering, just after the 40th year is their, is their, their understanding that that's the promised land we've heard our ancestors talk about for generations. And now we're crossing into the promised land, and God says, you are a holy people belonging to me belonging to the Lord your God the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth so let's let's broaden that beyond this this nation of Israel and and in the context of the New Testament the New Covenant and the the shed blood of Jesus Christ we can place ourselves in that and say uh, God chose us out of all the peoples of the world you belong to God Bobby who are you God's kid 
I'm just God's kid. I belong to him. I, I, I don't get to, now here you go. This, is, this upsets people sometimes. I don't get to have my own agenda. I don't get to have my own, let's say, uh, passionate soapboxes. Okay? God gives those priorities. This, this place where I get to stand on Sundays and share the Word of God is not reduced to the circumstances of the world. I will not go there. Okay? God chose you. You belong to God. I don't care how the world swirls into chaos. You belong to God. What does the world say about God? What, 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 what is it that the world understands about God? There, 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 is a, there, there is a concept of God's existence in the world around us that, yeah, because we know that everything has order and design, there are, there are physical laws, and yes, there are moral laws. You know, there are physical laws, who put them in place? If there are moral laws, who's the moral law giver? You know, those are philosophical questions that science can't answer. What's right or wrong? What's good or bad? Well, see, the world would say it's right or wrong if we vote it right or wrong. Uh, it's good or bad if the majority says it's good and, and the minority says it's bad, right? You know what that leads to? That leads to this, this, this sort of chaos that we have to, that we live in every day. And folks, every day I go back to God is. See that? I go back to God is. And this is how I know who God is. He has revealed himself, spoken word, written word, living word. And he communicates it and he illuminates it to our hearts and minds so that we can understand the revealed God. Okay? Folks, you, you can't dive deeper into this stuff. You can. But it, it, it's like, you know, I remember going to Lake Lure as a kid. Here you go. This is one of those rabbits. You ready? I remember going to Lake Lure as a kid and riding by one of those touristy signs that says, bottomless pools. Well, in my mind, I'm going, that's not possible. I mean, I don't care how deep that pool is. There's a bottom somewhere or there would be no pool. Right? In my own mind, I'm going, bottomless pool? Well, let me say something. The more you dive into the who is God, there's no bottom to that pool. Understanding God. This is why one of my favorite life verses, and I've got lots of them just so y'all know. One of my favorite life verses comes out of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. And I know y'all thinking, oh, because God is love. No, no, not that. Right now, I see through a glass dimly. But then... 
I will see face to face and I will know as I have been known. I've heard people all my life say, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Moses a thing or two. Or I'm going to ask David. Or I'm going to ask Paul. Or I'm going to ask Peter. Right? I'm going to ask Jesus. No, you're not. Can I just be honest with you? You step into the presence of Jesus, you're just going to be flat out on the floor on your face. Right? Because in that moment, you're going to know as he has known you. You don't have any questions at that point. You suddenly see the infinity of God. And we will be so overwhelmed. It's one of the reasons why when I first heard that Mercy Me song about I can only imagine, I was like, that's bad theology. Yeah, you might can only imagine it. But whatever you imagine is nowhere near the reality of standing in the presence of God. God is... And you can't finish that. So that's the first point of today's message. God is dot, dot, dot. Because you can't actually finish that sentence. We have been given scripturally certain attributes. And this is what A.W. <clears throat> Tozier said this. And I don't often quote, you know, these mammoths of theology. But A.W. Tozier said the, when, when you see any listing of the attributes of God, you know, we know the big three omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. We'll go into love and justice and grace and mercy and all those things as, as attributes of God. And A.W. Tozier said this in his book, uh, Knowledge of the Holy, I think. I get two of those books confused. But anyway, he said, these are the characteristics that God has said you can say this about me. Right? What he's saying is, is I've revealed myself as omniscient. You can say that about me. I have revealed myself as omnipotent. You can say that about me. I have revealed myself as omnipresent everywhere. You can say that about me. I've revealed myself as love. And you can say that about me. Okay? See, God is, yes, all of those attributes. I, I preached through, years ago up in Maryland, I preached through the names of God. You know, people like these things. They write songs about them. El Shaddai, you know, Jehovah Jireh, the names of God from the original languages. It's a cool little language study if you want to do it. But when you start to pick apart the Hebrew words for the names of God, what you start to understand is, is that it's not just like Bobby. The names of God actually identify God's relationship with his people. It's an amazing thing, y'all. So God is. Here you go. God isn't who they say he is. Now there is that idea, and I started to share this a minute ago. There are those that because of the creative structure of the world and laws that are all in place, they believe that there is some being, deity, some director of all things who made this snowball and rolled it down the hill and turned around and walked off. Okay? That God is, but, but, but He's not active. He's not involved. 
You know where that comes from? That comes from basically Greek mythology that says the gods sit on a mountaintop and just watch earthlings play, you know, games and stuff. That, that, that God somehow created and disassociated himself with his creation. Nothing in the scripture, nothing in God's revealed word says that God is disassociated from his, his creation. That's even more specific. God, our heavenly father, loves you. God loves me. God acts on our behalf. Okay? God isn't what the world says he is. God is who he says he is. The Lord had his heart set on you and chose you. Man, you know, I sometimes envision my mom and dad going to the, my dad's Earl. All right, so when I say, who is Bobby? Well, the origins of that are that my dad's name's Robert, senior. So my name is Robert Earl Owings, Jr., right? So Bobby is that nickname for Robert. So, but I imagine, you know, my parents going to the nursery at the hospital because it was back in the old days, you know, and you went to the viewing window. My mom and dad standing there going, that one looks good. We'll take him. <laughs> right? <laughs> Think about it. It's shopping, right? We'll take that one. Yeah. No, 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 no. See, my daddy loves me. I know that. Now, did he spank me? Sure he did. <laughs> but you know why? Because he loves me. My dad did a number of things. Oh, Earl did a lot of things in my life growing up. Because he's my dad. And he loves me. So when somebody says, who are you? And I say, God's kid. Guess what? Ultimately, I belong to my dad. I am his. He loved me and chose me out of all the people. But because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors, he brought you out. Now, this context is out of Egypt. But in the bigger spiritual context, God brought me out of the fallen world around me because he loved me. Picked me up from amongst it all because he loved me. Verse 9 Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his gracious covenant, keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. He actually goes into verse 10 and 11 talking about those that don't love him back okay God has and God will always be God there's no empire no entity no movement of man is ever going to undo God the God of this universe and he loved me and he loves you so when I think about who am I can I just tell y'all something I'll go through it I, I, I cut grass for my uncle when I was 12 years old 
So who was I? I was Clyde's employee. Who's Bobby? Oh, he's Clyde's employee. Yeah, he's Earl's son, but but Clyde is Earl's brother. And then I worked at Hardee's. Hated that one. But anyway, vowed after Hardee's I'd never work food service again. But anyway, who is Bobby? Okay, he's Earl's son. Earl and Sharon's son. He's, well, he's formally Clyde's employee. Now he's Hardy's employee. After that, my Uncle Carol, my dad's other brother, got me a job in the textile mill. Yeah, man, you know what I got to do? I got to clean air conditioners while I was in high school. Y'all know what collects in textile mill air conditioners? Every worst thing you can imagine. All the bad stuff that, that floats in the air of a textile mill collects in the air conditioning. And then they would send us at 6 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday mornings into the air conditioners to clean them out. Who am I? I am a Greenwood Mills employee. Huh. Worked that job on and off through my first year of college. God called me to ministry. Guess what? After 18, 19 years of existence, I got saved at eight years old. I understand who I was as a Christian at eight years old as much as an eight-year-old can understand it. But at 19, Erickson was right. I began to understand who I was. Y'all know who Erickson is? Somebody does. Look like she's not. Erickson's stages of development from 18 to 24, you're in your identity phase and you're beginning to learn who you are. You know what? At 19, God showed up and said, you're with me. Okay? Still, I worked at Avis Rent-A-Car and Payless Rent-A-Car. Brothers and Harrison Realty, building houses and swinging hammers. Because guess what? I remember when air guns showed up. If you work construction today with an air gun, you're a pansy. No, I'm just kidding. Just joking, you know. Uh, we got air guns on the job. I remember when we got air guns on the job. I thought they were... We, 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 we'd take a piece of blue board, which is that insulation on the outside of a house, right? We'd draw a big target on it, and we'd sit up there and pull the safeties off the air gun and see who could do the best target practice. Who are you? I'm a clown from the word go. Who am I? I am God's child, folks. And every, not, not just every moment of every day, but every second of every day, God leads and guides and directs my steps. Who are you? All month long, I'm going to be asking, who are you? Folks, I'm just sharing with you that, that from Deuteronomy chapter 7. Remember, the Lord your God is God. He invited you into His presence and made a way through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God. When we talk about Jesus, we're talking about God. Okay. Are you God's child? It starts with Jesus.
If you don't know Jesus, then can I just go ahead and tell you you're not God's child. You might be a part of God's creation, but it's in Christ that we have adoption. Okay? Pray with me. God, thank you for this day, a day that you've made and created for us to be glad in. You've given us purpose and reason and You've called us to be yours. And so, God, in this room and online and even outside of this room, those that we'll come in contact with, God, help us to be who you created us to be. God, help us to live out our identity. Not, not, not in family, not in job, not in neighborhood. Not, not in, God, help us to live out our identity found only in you. God, you loved us and you chose us. You called our name and said, Bobby, you're with me. God, I want to praise you in this moment and thank you for that. Because beginnings are found in you. You spoke it all into being. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.